Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Today, as always, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I've already prayed and just put on your sneakers. We're going to get into the word. And again, you may not like anything I say, but you will not be able to leave here without knowing God's word. Amen. But I think you're going to learn some things. Romans 12 and 1. Paul says, moved by the Holy Spirit, he says, I beseech. Some translations translate this, I I, I plead, others beg, but Paul here was speaking from the very bottom of his heart, the depth of his soul. And when it comes to the things that we're going to study today, Paul was not too proud to beg on God's behalf. The greater you are, the more willing you are to be little for someone else. Paul says, I beseech, meaning every single day, God makes the earth spend one more time on his, its axis. He's begging humanity to return. Every single breath God lets each of us make or take, he's begging us to draw closer. Matter of fact, if I added, every time the neurons in your brain fire with a new thought, God is pleading with each of us to return to our senses. Now, I would not beg for a whole lot, but I would beg for those I love. And we see in these scriptures that God is actually the same. He said, I beseech or I beg you on bended knee. Therefore, brethren. Now you would think after all that Apostle Paul had accomplished, all that he had achieved, all he had seen and all the Lord has shown him that he might take a superior attitude or superior tone. But here he calls the Roman church brethren. Why? Because he understood that, that they were all, and we are all brothers and sisters in the struggle. Now, I may stand behind this pulpit a few times a, a week, but I put on my pants one leg at a time like each and every one of you. And you never want to get so high in your mind that you think you're free from temptation, that you, you're, it's impossible for you, man or woman of God, to fail or fall. But here's the deal. My goal is never to be better than anyone else, just to be better than I used to be. And Paul was on this journey, just like all of us today. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, pay attention to the language that the Holy Spirit uses here to make this particular appeal. 
He did not beg them in light of the judgment to come. He didn't beg them and and say, well, God's going to get you if you don't. But he begged them based on the mercies of God, based on the fact that God had been so kind, based on the fact that God had been so generous, so merciful, so amazing. What mercies is Paul speaking about in this passage? I'm glad you asked. He's probably referring back to what he'd already spoken back. A little bit of Bible study, but also a little bit of regular Sunday here. Romans 3 and 24. He was celebrating the mercy that each of us have because of our freedom from guilt because of the cross and our freedom from the penalty of sin. And if that were not enough, Paul tells us in 614, we're placed under grace and not under law. And as if that was not enough, in Romans 8 and 15, Paul went on to tell us that we were adopted into God's very own family. And as if that was not enough, in Romans 8 and 16, Paul tells us or told us we have assurance of salvation. And as if that were not enough, in Romans 8 and 24, Paul tells us we're promised to help in what weakness. And as if that were not enough, in Romans 8 and 26, We're given the Holy Spirit to live within us forever. And as if that were not enough, we can go on and on and on. The reason we worship is not because we're afraid. That's bondage. The reason we worship is because we're grateful, and that's freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom. Love is the only motivation stronger than fear. So when we think about God's goodness and how the song go and what he's done for me, the next step is only natural. This is not something we strain at. This is not something we we, we have to uh, 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 steal our nerves to do. Because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his loving kindness, what did Paul want us to do as a result? Present your bodies. Now, this is only something a grateful heart can do. And no one else can do this for you, and no one can do this but you. You can come to God because you're afraid of hell, but that's an awful presentation. Here he says we are to make a presentation. God, not because I'm afraid of my future, but Lord, because you're so good. Because you are so gracious. God, I make a presentation. I give you all that I have and all that I am. And Lord, listen, Father, listen, I could not, based on what you've given me, I couldn't even begin to pay the debt owed. So Lord, I present to you me, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be. In view of his mercies, present your bodies, watch this, a living sacrifice. The great D.L. Moody said, the problem with a living 
sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. How many of y'all know about that? I know I do. A living sacrifice is simply a person willing to, to, to give up now for later. Any sacrifice to God is never lost. It's, it's merely invested. Just give it time. And he said, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, when Scripture mentions our bodies, he also means everything in our bodies. Our spirit, our mind, our will, our emotions. God doesn't just want our works. He wants our hearts. Then he goes on and he says, which is your reasonable not silly, reasonable service. In other words, it only makes sense. When you realize that Jesus laid it all down for you, it only makes sense for us to be willing to lay it down for him. Now, Romans 12 and 1, Paul begins, he's taught a lot of doctrine, but now he gets into the practical application. And we went through one really to get to two because two is our focus. Because in verse 2 here, Paul actually explains how we're to become a willing sacrifice. Verse 2, how many of you want to stay on the altar? And Paul begins with one of the several thou shall nots in the New Testament. He says, do not desist, refrain, do not go there, do not be conformed to this world. Now, the, the, the word conformed here literally means to be like-shaped or to fashion yourself in the same or like manner. Why does God not want us to be like the world? Now, when people read this passage, they start talking about what you dress like, what you look like. They miss the whole point. Because what he's about to talk about is the renewing of your mind. He's talking about how we think. You hear what I'm saying? And how we think informs the rest of our behavior. Do not be conformed to this world that is fickle. This world that is constantly changing its mind about things. Coffee was considered healthy. And then it was considered unhealthy. And now it's what? Healthy again. Butter was considered healthy. Then we had to replace it with margarine because it became unhealthy. And now butter is healthy again, and they say, stay away from the margarine. We should not wear masks. Then we should wear masks. And now some are saying we shouldn't wear masks again. As hard as people try, as smart as people are, people's opinions change like the wind. 
The only one we should completely trust is God. Stay with me today. We have to change our way of thinking. He said, do not be conformed to this world. If I put that in the modern vernacular, he's saying, don't be a mind puppet. And many of us, we're puppeting with, you know, they're saying on the internet. Puppeting what they're saying on Fox, CNN. Puppeting what the latest statements in psychology are, knowing they're going to change in another six months. Instead, listen, if I'm going to be an echo for anybody, hear what I'm saying. But some people are so passionate about how they puppet. I mean, so passionate about what what the most popular and conventional and nowadays thinking is. They'll almost cut you. They'll troll you. They'll, 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 They'll cancel you over conventional thinking that will be different in just a few months, if sometimes not only hours. And what he's saying is don't let the devil put his arm up your back and make you a puppet where you're saying what everybody else is saying all the time. You need to, 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 to hear from heaven and have the voice of God speaking from on the inside of your heart. You need to be renewed in what you're thinking. We're not just following the crowd. We're following the one who made the crowd. Jesus said in Luke 21 and verse 33, this is what Jesus said. He said, CNN, he said, Fox, he said, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, BET, Heaven and Earth. And everything in it will pass away. But my words. We know what everybody else is saying. But what about what God has said? But my words by no means will pass away. The only thing we can be absolutely sure of is God's Word. Not long ago, the critics of the Bible were saying that, you know what, based on certain historical findings, we have deemed the Bible unreliable. They said there's no proof of the Hittites. So throw away your Bibles throw away the Bible's claims. This was in the 60s. But then came the 70s. Then archaeologists found ancient clay tablets recording the treaty between Ramses II and a Hittite king. Poof. At the same time, they said Sodom and Gomorrah was merely a myth. 
a legend. Until they began to dig and found it right where they were supposed to find it, buried by ash several feet deep. Poof. They said the city of Jericho was just a legend. That's just fairy tale. Walls don't fall down that way. But then they found the city with the walls press outward instead of inward. You see, enemies may come and press walls in, but they don't press them out. Poof. The Bible has survived attacks for millennia, but it always outlasts the critics. If I remember correctly, Nietzsche, the great French philosopher, said that within my generation, Christianity would be destroyed and they will no longer print Bibles. And then if I get my recollections correct, when he died, it was his very house that the World Biblical Society began to print Bibles from. And we're so in the now, in the new. Oh, that's passe. Give it time. Give it time. Do not be conformed to this world where its opinions, where its mindsets, where its conclusions are passing away. This world will come and this world will go. When I was in middle school, man, we dreamed that, that, that Christmas would come and we'd find a pair of suede pumas. How many of you are old enough to remember? Especially those of you from New York, New Jersey. Under the tree. But then Pumas didn't matter so much. It was Adidas. Remember, run DMC. And then after the Adidas, there were Air Jordans. And now today we, we, we have Yeezys. I don't even know what they are, but my kids say we have Yeezys. Culture will always change. But God's word remains the same. Do not. Don't do it. I recognize what some of the statistics or st statisticians may be saying. But I know enough about math. You can cook the books. You can slant certain statistics in a certain way. I recognize what some of the greatest minds may be saying, but I'm telling you, they don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. Do not, don't do it. I know it's popular. I know they tell you to say and think this way on your job. I recognize some of these things have been uh, uh, inculcated into law. But do not, anybody with me today? Be conformed 
to this world. But here's the option. Be transformed by the renewing, the renovating, and the changing of your mind. The Holy Spirit is telling us you will never rise above the level of your thinking. Okay, he says, say it again. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is saying, you will never rise above the level of your thinking. And my hope today is you think about some things. James 1 and 21, he says this. He says, receive with meekness. Meaning your attitude toward the scriptures matter. You get out based on what you put in. Did you? If you don't have meekness, the opposite of this is you won't receive. If you don't make scripture your final authority and you just come to church. I mean, you, you may have a Bible on, on, on your table somewhere, and you may even have it on, you know, your phone and, and all that. But if you don't make it the final authority, if you don't humble yourself before the Word. See, I don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads me. Receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able, which is what able, which is what able, which is what able. This is why every Sunday, this is not about personality. It's about a word that's able, that's able to change you from the inside out. A word that's able to heal your body. A word that's able to change your mind, change your orientation, change your financial status, change your situation. Receive with meekness your attitude toward this word is your problem. Well, if he preaches it right, maybe I'll get it. No, no, no. Your attitude toward this word. Whether I preach it right or wrong, if it's the word, it's the word. The planet was created. Everything in your body was made by the word of God. Everything about you was created by this word. It is the parent force of the universe. In the beginning, God. No explanation about where he came from, just in the beginning, God. Darkness on the face of the deep, in the beginning, God. And he didn't do no hocus pocus or none of that. He didn't cast a spell. Bible said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, everything we have is because God said, and if you want to win in life, find out what God said. Give God a hallelujah. Come on, act like you're alive in this room. Act like you're alive in this room. Act like you're people who've heard from the living God. Hallelujah. He said, 
Receive with meekness. Your attitude to what I'm saying matters. Receive with meekness. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Receive with meekness and planted word, which is able to save. That word in Greek is sozo. S-O-Z-O, but pronounced like there's a D in it, sozo, which means to heal, preserve, deliver, and keep safe. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.